Welcome to In The Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. So Bailey, to kick us off with today's conversation, I think one of the best places to start would be if you could share some of the results you've had implementing the strategies that we're going to talk about today when it comes to virtual summits. Sure. Well, I can reference the last virtual summit that I just did in 2017 because Mm -hmm. I did a full comprehensive case study and breakdown for my audience on that. So I know the numbers really well. So from an email subscriber standpoint, we were able to bring in 3,097 registrants. And some of those were already people on my list. So we had about 2,947 people who were totally new email subscribers to my list. Now, When I look at my list before and after the summit, you know, a list size you might have for your business does change if you do clean outs and stuff, right? So when I looked at the before and after numbers, I was able to grow my list by 68%, though I had done like a little bit of a clean out of my list before the summit actually began. So 68% is kind of high. So that was some pretty awesome results as far as subscribers. Talking about revenue, I always share revenue and profit together when talking about money because I think it's Mm -hmm. really important for people to understand that the revenue that we got from the summit, which was $16,900, I don't get to pocket all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, There is expenses involved, not just like the technology, of course, that Mm -hmm. I have to pay for, but affiliate payouts, um, Mm -hmm. you know, when my speakers share. There was also Facebook ad manager costs Mm -hmm. and Facebook ad spend costs that was involved in that. So the profit that I took home was, $8,900 from that. Not too shabby though. No, not at all whatsoever. Yeah. Pretty good margins on that. Okay. That's cool. So good look at this. So let's dig into that and also kind of what you're doing now to prep for the next virtual summit that you're doing. So to give some context, you've done obviously a number of virtual summits. You also teach and train on how to run virtual summits. So I know you're, you know, in that world and you know what's working now. So from that, as you look back at that campaign that you ran, what are you doubling down on and kind of what are you removing? Yeah, so we're going into the third annual Infopreneur Summit now. And so having done not only several summits for myself, but my students and my VIP clients, I've been able to see some of the things that were just a waste of time or things that, you know, really did work. So one of the things is that Facebook ad spend. So the first summit that I ever did, I never hired a Facebook ads manager. I really didn't invest. It was me just playing around. And then the second one, which I just shared you some shared with you some results about, I did hire a Facebook ads manager, but this person wasn't a specialist in doing ads for summits. And I recognize how incredibly important it is for the person that you're working with, your ads manager, to really understand how summits work and to understand what your goals are. And so when I did the Facebook ads for the 2017 summit, I was a little disappointed because while we got fantastic opt-in rates, we were not getting fantastic purchase rates at all. I think we made a total of 10 sales from the total of Facebook ads. So we definitely Mm. lost out Um, on the front end as far as all access past sales. So this year, I've been vetting people, Facebook ads managers more carefully. I'm going to be hiring somebody shortly that is actually a virtual summit 
Facebook Ads Pro and has demonstrated experience in that arena. And I am going to be doubling down then on the ad spend for that event. And in order to be able to pay for that, for the first time ever, we're actually doing a pre-sale of the All Access Pass, which is not something I normally teach. I don't include that strategy in my course or with my clients. The reason being that if it's your very first summit, you're not really going to see a lot of return from that because it's a brand new event. It's a brand new thing. But because this is our third annual Infopreneur Summit, we have people that are in my community that I know because they've told me they're already going to buy the pass. They are itching to buy that pass. And so leveraging some of those early sales and letting people get in early on this is going to enable us to bring in some revenue that I'll be able to put down from the start on those ads. So those are some of the areas in which I'm looking to grow. Interesting. I'm going to be very curious to hear how the the pre-sale goes. And I know it's the way you're rolling it out is unique because, it, like you said, it's the third time you, you run the summit. So people have an expectation of what's to come versus a, something from scratch, brand new. You know, who knows if that strategy will pan out. So, But I am really curious to see how that's going to pan out for you. And then interesting to, to double down on the ads. So here's a question for you. When you're rolling this out, I guess you're typically selling the all-access pass to the event. What are you doing in terms of like upsells or downsells to an event like this? How do you maximize the revenue well, and, and the profit, honestly, from a virtual summit? Yes. So this is such an important strategy for people to understand is that while the all access pass is definitely viewed as the kind of the core offer for a virtual summit, if you really dig deep into your funnel design, you will find so many opportunities to monetize here. So one of the ways that we monetized in the past was by adding an order bump to the all access pass, which was a PDF of notes. So we actually went through all of the interviews and we wrote up some of the biggest takeaways. We wrote down the websites of all the resources mentioned, put together all the freebies that the speakers were offering and put it into this gigantic PDF. The last year's turned out to be like 124 pages. And we ended up selling that in addition to the past. And then there's also retargeting opportunities there as well for people that didn't pick it up the first time. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we're doing this year to make the funnel even more profitable is that we're actually going to be offering packages with the all access pass. So in the past, what we've done is we've just offered Here's the all-access pass. Please buy it. You can add on the notes, and then there's upsells down the line. What we're doing this year is we're saying you can just get the all-access pass if you want, or you can get the bundle with the pass and the notes, or you can get this other bundle that has the pass and the notes and one of my core online courses. Last year, that core online course that I'm mentioning was an upsell. This year, we're making that a part of a bundle that people can buy. So that leaves us room for other upsells. One of the things that I do recommend that people consider when they're deciding what to put in that funnel is long-term revenue, whether that is a subscription, a membership site, a coaching program, or something like that. You have so many people going through this funnel who are just, they're they're hot audience members, you know, they're hot customers, Mm -hmm. they are ready to buy and, and give you money. You need to leverage that opportunity. And so I often see people use a virtual summit as an opportunity to launch a brand new program, a group coaching program, a membership site, something like that. You don't have to wait until the summit is over to start pitching that. Put it in the funnel. People are ready to buy it. That's exactly what I'm kind of, I've been mulling over is the continuity type program or recurring revenue piece to summits. And I'm working with Teachable right now on their course creation summit right now. So it's nice because working with them, they have a really nice, you know, back end. They have their, their sales funnel set up really well. And so really all you have to do is like just drive traffic and a lot of the rest takes care of itself. 
But for somebody who doesn't have like software, so I think it's great. Like virtual summits, I think are amazing, and uh, and a lot of software companies just don't take advantage of them, and probably should. But for those who are on the info product side of things, what do you recommend in terms of like if there's like a continuity program that you could roll out? What would be an appropriate way to roll that out with a summit? Would you ever recommend only pushing that instead of like selling the OX pass? Like, would that ever make sense to you, or or what's your recommendation on something like that? Would you still have everybody purchase the OX pass and then? sell some kind of continuity program right on the back of it? I would definitely recommend that people still purchase the all access pass and then have the continuity program on the, on the back end. And here's why you are going to be bringing in a lot of cold traffic Mm -hmm. into your summit. And these are people that have never heard of you before. So you have to remember, you know, that price point where people are willing to take that leap of faith into, you know, investing in a person that they've never heard of before. And so a, you know, I sell my all access pass. We do offer like a fast action, 20 minute bonus discount thing for just $67. If you just want the pass, which is a price point reasonable enough for my audience of beginning and budding infopreneurs, but also an audience of cold traffic. Nobody is likely going to invest in this, you know, long-term continuity program if they're just hearing about you. However, if you put it as an upsell, okay, you've got a hot customer who's clearly interested in this. There's an opportunity there if they've already upgraded. So you're validating that customer further. But just because you put it in the funnel doesn't mean you have to stop talking about it then. You have so many opportunities to mention it in the summit interviews if you thought far enough ahead out that you know this is something you're going to be offering by the time you record. This is something Mm. you can send marketing emails about. And then you can still do a proper launch of it after the summit is over and say, hey, guys, you didn't get an opportunity to take advantage of this when we were marketing in the summit. Let's talk about it greater in depth, send some more emails, all that stuff. Maybe you have a higher price point by Mm. then or something, but that's what I would do. Yeah, I like that. Okay, interesting. And I think that's probably the smart move. Okay, so you've done the fast action, kind of fast mover, 20-minute discount. Yeah, I was working with Jesse Krieger on his summit. We did that, and it was crazy. It was something like, I think, 70% of our sales came in at that. Was it something similar to you, like a majority of people purchased the fast action kind of purchase price? Definitely. Absolutely. When we implemented that the second time that we ran the summit, using Deadline Funnel as the software that we used, we saw a significant increase in those sales. Highly recommended. Okay. That's that. I'm going to definitely implement that for mine then too. Because I was like, you know, I was still looking at that, comparing it to some of the other ones that I'd been a part of a run and thinking, well, you've got more sales, but it's less. It's less revenue. But I think there's still value in having more customers like more paying customers, even if it's at a slightly less amount, would you say that that's been the case for you and kind of what's your opinion on that? Well, I would challenge, first of all, the fact that it would be less revenue because if you have less customers, you know, you have to do the math. So that's the first thing I would challenge you on. And then, you know, it's, it's always hard to prove the counter, what is it, that counter positive or, you know, that's the first thing that I would say is it might not be true. But the next thing you have to think about is if you are going to sell the pass and then you have a continuity program or whatever your upsell is, they only see that upsell offer if they buy. So the more customers you have going through the funnel, the more have an opportunity that upsell. So it was definitely a huge difference between our first summit and our second, where we implemented that fast action offer. Ooh, I like that. Okay. That's a good point too. Cause especially if they've already put in their credit card information and it's a simple and direct upsell. I mean, once you've gotten past that point of friction, I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Interesting. So, okay. From your standpoint, then I didn't, I don't know if I caught this, but are you implementing then some sort of continuity or maybe you already have a continuity program or something like that? for this particular event that you're going to be running? 
Right. So I don't have a long-term like monthly membership program that just runs evergreen. What I do is I have programs like my High Valley Course Academy, which is like a group coaching program, which launches once a year and stuff like that. And then I also do like these masterminds and things. And that's what I plan on implementing as a part of the funnel. So it's not Mm. going to be a forever evergreen continuity program. There Mm -hmm. is going to, you know, it's going to be a multiple month sort of thing. Okay, very cool. So have you ever done sponsorships for one of your events? This is one of the things that I frequently get asked about by my students. And the answer is no, we haven't done sponsorships in the past. And I do have an interest in doing sponsorships. And it's one of the areas in which I'd love to expand the program to include a little bit more content about. Yeah. But one of the things that I definitely have noticed is that there have been a couple of companies that have approached me in the past about sponsorships we never got to the point of actually making it concrete. One of the big reasons why it was that the overarching demands that the company had for what I had to do for a relatively small sponsorship was something I wasn't willing to do. So I think that you need to recognize that there are going to be those trade-offs and you have to decide for yourself if that's something you want to do or not. It also didn't work out in this particular case I'm referring to because the company is one that I wasn't using. I previously used them and moved away from them. So I also felt a moral conflict in letting my event be sponsored by that company. So there's lots, lots of reasons why it hasn't really panned out. But I think that there is potential opportunity there for benefits, especially if you are working on a budget and you do want to invest up front in some better technology or some better ads and stuff, that would be pretty cool. But another thing that I do know about the sponsorships as well is that you do have to be able to show them some results. So either you have to have some numbers up front to prove why your event is going to be a success or that you have had previous successes or something like that. Mm -hmm. Usually that's pretty hard for a beginner. So I definitely don't recommend that sponsorships is a strategy that a brand new virtual summit host really spend a lot of time on. But the second or third one going into it, maybe it's something you could dedicate a little more time to. Yeah. And you know what? I've, I've spoken with people about sponsorship and, and companies and stuff like that and done the communication back and forth. And I, I'm pretty sure in the past we've lined up a few, but it's always been, it hasn't like ever been big enough, like to be like a game changer or anything. If anything, right. it's like kind of a drag versus like, you know, I'm familiar with like sponsorship for live events where you can charge so much more and companies are, they're itching to get in front of like conference audiences. But it seems like a totally different, you know, thing for them to wrap their heads around virtual summits. And I don't quite get why that is. I'm still trying to figure that piece out. But I I feel like that's the challenge, too, is I haven't figured out with some of these different companies, like what they're actually after. That's what's so interesting about it is you can drive quite a a good number of clicks, good number of opt-ins from these kind of events. But I guess I look at it and say with the sponsors I've spoken to, it, it never seems like clear what they're actually after. Have you gotten any clarity on that? Like, oh yeah, I know if I can tell like what, what they primarily are looking for is, you know, people who sh- like the number of people who will show up to the keynote interviews or something like that. Do you have any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that what you're saying is pretty spot on, that the goals of the companies that have approached me about sponsorships have been very vague, and they mm-hmm. themselves don't necessarily know what it is that they're after, right. especially the kinds of technology companies that really are looking for people to sign up for their product. Just putting a logo on the homepage isn't going to do that, you know, so it's it's a little bit of a disconnect there. I will say one of the strategies in which I found personal success 
working with companies while at the same time also really giving them a lot of exposure and I do believe driving some traffic to their products and their um, some trials and things has actually been to feature product demos. Now, of course, sponsorship mm. companies don't have to be tech companies, so this mm-hmm. may not work for every sponsor out there. But for example, I love ClickFunnels. So I invited somebody from ClickFunnels. His name was Mark Bangader, who's their head of education, I think, customer mm-hmm. education. And I reached out to ClickFunnels and said, I'm doing this summit. Here are my previous results from other events I've done. I love you guys and would absolutely love to have somebody come and do a demo of your software. You know, I could easily do it, but I'd rather have a professional, you know, come and, and do that. And so they weren't officially sponsoring the event. You know, they didn't give me any money or anything, which is fine. I didn't ask them. But what we did do is I used my ClickFunnels affiliate link, which you know gives everyone a two-week free trial. And mm-hmm. so as people were watching the demo, I kept reminding them, hey, go check out ClickFunnels. Here's the affiliate link. And then we had so many people sign up for the product, which obviously helps their company. I get the affiliate commissions because it was my affiliate link. So it helps mm-hmm. me financially. I'm able to support a company with a product that I love and use myself. So that was actually a much better way I found of, you know, combining with a company rather than just a blatant sponsorship. Ooh, I like that. And I just kind of gave me an idea that maybe I wonder if even just doing something like that, or actually here's a question for you is, have you ever done um, giveaways in conjunction with a summit or anything like that as like a list building piece of it? Yes. So it's interesting that you mentioned this because We've done one kind of giveaway in the past, and we're trying a new one for this summit. So in the past, we have done a giveaway of an all-access pass, one free all-access pass, and we target registrants who've signed up but not purchased yet. And we've done sort of one of those, like, social sharing virality sort of things. Yeah. And then we basically send an email to everyone that says, click this button to see if you won, and then they click it, realize they didn't win, and then we offer them that 20-minute discount price again. So we offer Mm. them that 67 price. And we say, hey, you know, thanks for entering. As a thank you, you can still grab the pass at this discount. Otherwise, you know, you're going to pay more if you buy later. And that usually gets us some more sales. But the giveaway that we're doing this time, in addition to that giveaway, is a little bit different, where we're actually asking all of the speakers, totally optional, if they would like to donate something, like a free enrollment to their course or an hour of free coaching or something like that. And what we are doing is we are only making the prizes eligible to be won by people who upgrade to the all-access pass. So if we have 40 speakers, let's say, and we have one gift donated by all 40, that gives us 40 prizes. We pick 40 winners at random from those who purchase the all-access pass, and then we give each winner one prize. So there's a lot of benefits to this, and then I'm going to tie it back to what we're saying about sponsorships. So There's some benefits here because we're hoping it may entice people to purchase that pass because they want an entry to win some of these gifts, which are valued at hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And then we're also really giving the speakers an opportunity to share and promote their own products and services a little bit more because there's some marketing emails that are going to go out that'll say, hey, this is all the stuff that you could potentially win. So Mm. as far as the sponsorships, like what we were just talking about, you know, you could offer as part of that giveaway package, you know, one free month trial to this software or something Mm -hmm. like that, Mm -hmm. um, that you may be able to incorporate that as part of the giveaway. That's awesome. I love that. I think that's such a clever strategy. Anything else that you would say that like, you know, I guess that is important when it comes to running a virtual summit, I I would say either essential to do or on the other side of that kind of uh, question is things that you see people do that are kind of like you slap your head, you're like, you shouldn't have done that. Or like, that's like, don't do that. Like, or or like, so common mistakes that people make that they should avoid. 
So this is such a low tech strategy, but this works. You need to email each one of your speakers personally and not in a mass email communication. Yes, I recognize that this is going to like 10x your amount of work. I get that. Writing personal emails takes forever, but it is effective. I have been on so many people's summits now because everyone wants me to talk about summits. And when somebody adds me to the list on an email list newsletter thing, you know, for speakers and I get the speaker updates, it automatically goes in my Gmail promotions folder. I never see it. I don't usually give it that much thought because it's this long rambling email and half of it usually doesn't have to do with me. You are building personal relationships with your speakers. And so I never, ever send out those mass communications, every single email, even if it says the same thing, even if all the emails are like copy and pasted because it's just an update or something on the summit results or something like that. I still send every single speaker a personal email. I know it's going immediately to the top of their inbox. I've customized it personally for the information that they need to know about. This also gives you an opportunity to do things like put in their affiliate, their custom affiliate link as a reminder so that it's in every single email, super easy for them to grab, right? You know, so that is such a low tech, small strategy you can implement that anybody can do. Just use your Gmail for goodness sake, but nobody does it because, oh, mm. that's so much work. But it's effective because your speakers feel like they're really connecting with you, like you really value them being a part of it, yeah. um, that when you do ask them for that share, when you send that personal email, it doesn't come across as sleazy. And you're just saying like, oh, hey, you know, so-and-so, I just want to check in. You know, we have only one week to the summit. I haven't seen anything. Is there any way I can help you? If you've been custom emailing them this whole time, that's a totally normal email to receive. You know, it doesn't come across mm -hmm. as being like slimy or something. So that is like my biggest number one tip I can tell people. I, I completely agree. And you know, a quick hack for that, depending on if you're willing to invest some money for it, but I use Contactually, which allows you to do, they have a scale mail feature. There's other things that do this, but that's why I recommend this because I don't want to figure out another solution for it, but it's really sure. cool. It allows you to send a, essentially kind of a bulk template email to people, but then you can customize it with mail merge codes, which is really cool if you're doing stuff at scale. But then also what's nice about it is that way I can send like the same template to say like 50 people then I can quickly like edit, customize each one of those to each person. So it nice. just like, it reduces the time on task probably by like, you know, a quarter and it's still personalized. So it's really nice. So a tool like that is I think perfect for the strategy you just suggested. Definitely. I love it. Well, hey, Bailey, thank you so much for being on In the Trenches. Where can people reach out to find you? Where can they sign up for the summit? And where can they learn more about you? Sure. You can learn more about me and find links to all my products and services at baileyrichard.com. If you're interested in Virtual Summit School, then you can go to virtualsummitschool.com. And if you're interested in checking out the Infopreneur Summit, that's infopreneursummit.com. That opt-in is going to be available probably towards the end of the year. I love it. Thank you so much for being on In the Trenches with us today, Bailey. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorkis.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance.